Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Bible in Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I'm the host of the Bible in Life, and I am super glad that you're joining me here on the podcast. Our goal on the Bible in Life is to provide what I like to call blue jeans theology. What I mean by that is Bible teaching, theology that is in the language of everyday life, in the context of everyday life, all aimed at helping us follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So that's what we're all about, and I'm glad you're here. And on this episode, we are just going to begin working on some reflections that stuff I've just been thinking about over the last, well, really for a while, but uh, again in force over the last handful of weeks that have to do with the authority of God in the Christian life. And what I mean by that is, like, what's in charge of our life? How do we make our decisions? What uh, shapes all of that? And my, my conviction is, I, I'm fairly certain, at least in the circles that I have run in, most of the people would say... They believe that, like, God or the Bible, right, is the primary authority. But what plays out in practice doesn't always seem to be the case. And, and not only that, I'm increasingly convinced that though we might know we're supposed to say that, Deep down, at a fundamental level, we really don't believe it. So, I just want to reflect on a few things over the next handful of episodes. And really, these are just sort of out loud meanderings of my thoughts, uh, wrestling with some of these things that I have seen and heard and watched and observed that I just think are terribly, terribly important for us as followers of Jesus, all right? And so uh, that's, that's my thinking of what we're going to do over the next handful of weeks. And here's, here's the problem as I perceive it, um, that we have emerged at a time in history where uh, I refer to it sometimes as like the rise of the autonomous self, where each individual is sort of a law unto themselves, where each individual sort of is the captain of their own life, right? They are the one who ultimately makes decisions. It's, hey, it's my life. I, I've got to live it the way I think best, right? Uh, we have emerged at a time in history where we talk about things like, well, this is my truth. That's your truth. And any idea of true truth, like capital T truth, for some people is almost offensive. Like, no, there is real capital T truth, and doesn't matter how you feel or think about it, it's still going to be true whether you like it or not, right? And for some people, that idea is just almost offensive, almost angering, and we somehow seem to think that you know, just based on what I think and what I feel and how I feel about myself and how I feel about my life and how I think about things, that's just, that's my truth. And ultimately, that's the ultimate authority of our life. And we've emerged at this place and this time in history where, um, you know, forget heritage, forget uh, the collected wisdom of the millennia, 
forget about what anyone else thinks or says or teaches or believes. Um, I have to do what I think is best. I have to follow my own heart. I have to kind of go my own way. I have to live my truth. Um, and uh, that's where we've arrived at a cultural level, at a societal level. You see it all over the place on social media. And I think this is why there's so much tension and conflict, because when that's the case, all that's left is power and power struggles over these sorts of things. And we no longer uh, really trust reason and capital T truth or anything like that. And that's where we've arrived culturally um, uh, with the autonomous self, the self that says, I am free, I am in charge, I've got to live my life and I want to be true to myself. Um the thing that concerns me about that is that I see followers of Jesus who have swam in this same stream now saying that they are disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, thinking the same way, making decisions about life the same way, wrestling with cultural and social issues the same way, using the same phrases uh, as culture, as if their truth is the truth that really matters, and saying things that's like, no, you can't say that as a follower of Jesus. You can't, you can't operate that way. That's just not the way it works. And so that really concerns me. It's like culture be what culture is, and we've emerged at this place culturally. But among the new family of Jesus, we just can't say certain things. And we can't act a certain way. We really do have something that is a higher authority than us. Someone who is a higher authority than myself. And I need to submit to and listen to what that person says. And if it disagrees with me, I lose. All right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't get to veto what God says, right? Like, in, as a follower of Jesus, God is the absolute boss. What he thinks, goes. What he says, goes. He's in charge, and my responsibility is to arrange myself under his authority. That's what being a follower of Jesus necessarily entails. This is the entire tone and entire teaching of the Bible. This is why God can give Israel commandments and enter into a covenant with them and hold them accountable and expect them to do it. And when they don't do it, there can be consequences. Uh, this is why Jesus can say at the culmination of his ministry in Matthew 28, 18, like, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Notice that. Like the word all there means all. Like all authority. Jesus is saying that he now sits as king and all authority, he, he has it. Notice both in heaven and on earth. Like the entire specter of existence is under the authority of Jesus as king, like all authority. He's in charge. Um, and that means what he says goes, that he gets to decide, right? And so if 
Jesus' teaching contradicts your preferences or your opinions or your thoughts or your feelings, then who's wrong? And what Jesus is saying there is, like, if you're going to be his follower, he's completely, totally in charge. And if his, his ideas, his thoughts, and his feelings, and his opinions contradicts yours, then yours loses. And his wins. Because he's in charge. Um, he is the absolute boss. Now, what, what gives God, what gives Jesus the, the right to tell us what to do, to be the absolute boss, to be the ultimate authority of our life, what gives him the right, and there's really two, two big things, according to the teaching of Scripture, that gives God the right to be the absolute boss. First is, he made us. He created us. That, I mean, that in and of itself means we belong to him. He made us. We are thus his property. He owns us because he made us. He's in charge by virtue of the fact he is the creator of all things. That fact alone, that sheer, bare, fundamental fact of a Christian worldview means that God's in charge. He made us. But not only that, uh, he also bought us. He redeemed us. The idea of redemption is purchasing paying a price to set something free. So he bought us. He owns us, right? Like First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, verse, I don't know, right around verse 19, the Apostle Paul says that, don't you know that you are not your own? Hear that. You are not your own. Your life is not your own. Your body is not your own, right? Like you don't belong to yourself. You are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So by virtue of those two great facts, like we belong to God as his. By virtue of the fact he made us, by virtue of the fact he bought us, we are like doubly his, and thus doubly under his authority, and he's completely in charge. This is so fundamental to following Jesus. It, this is where Christianity begins. God's the absolute boss, and Christianity begins with a surrender of our wills. You are Lord. You're in charge. And I think part of the reason... Again, these are just reflections kind of out loud, but I think part of the reason we've not only emerged at a place and time in cultural history where we have the autonomous self, but we've also emerged at a place in maybe Christian history in certain circles where even Christians tend to act like, well, it's my life, I've got to do what I think is best and right, is because we've, we have not preached the gospel accurately and clearly for a very long time. We've made the gospel out to be more this transaction where, um, <clears throat> oh yeah, I say this prayer or I do this thing or right, I get baptized or whatever it is, um, and now God has forgiven me and I have my ticket to heaven. And we've made the gospel really about that. Like, you need to get your sins forgiven so you can go to heaven when you die. That's never the gospel in the New Testament. 
read the book of Acts, watch what the apostles preach when they go everywhere preaching the gospel, and it sounds and feels very, very different to how we typically present the gospel. And at the heart of what they presented is the fact that God raised up Jesus after his crucifixion and now has appointed him as king and lord. Virtually every sermon in the book of Acts somehow emerges at that point uh, that Jesus is now the resurrected King and Lord. He is in charge, and he's calling all people everywhere to repent. The gospel is not so much about my need for my sins to be forgiven. That's like a sub-point in the biblical gospel. The fundamental thing it's about is Jesus and who Jesus is, and that Jesus has been resurrected and seated at God's right hand, and he reigns now as king. When you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you look at how Jesus summarizes his ministry and his message, it is that the kingdom of God is at hand, that in and through Jesus, God's kingdom is now breaking back into this world. And and so naturally, as a result of that, to come to be a follower of Jesus is to arrange yourself under his kingship so that he is now king, not just of your life, all authority has been given to him. He's king of the universe, and you're just wanting to live in sync with the way things really are, so you're arranging yourself under his kingship and entering into his kingdom uh, and allowing him, therefore, to be king over your life. That's where Christianity begins. It begins with the surrender of our wills to Jesus as king. He is in charge. And so... What that means for me as an individual follower of Jesus is I don't get to do what I want. I am not the captain of my own soul. I am not the one that gets to determine what I think is best or how to do relationships or how to use my money or how to spend my time. I ultimately... Yes, I have agency in those things, right? And I, I, I do get to uh, be a real actor in those things, but I have to make those decisions based on what King Jesus says and what King Jesus prioritizes. And so uh, I, uh, I arrange myself under his authority, And he ultimately is the one that is in charge. And so I make my decisions based on the wisdom and the way of Jesus. This is the heart of being a Christian. This is the heart of being a follower of Jesus. It's all about uh, surrendering to God's authority and yielding, right? Like laying down my rights, laying down my ideas about life, laying down, quote unquote, my truth and submitting to God and his wisdom and his truth, which is capital T truth, true truth. Um, And this is just hard because of the cultural moment we have arrived at, because of this period in history we find ourselves at, because of the misuse and the abuse of power and authority, there is just sort of almost inherent in the air we breathe and in the, the river we swim in, there's almost an inherent deep distrust of authority. 
and even a deep disrespect for authority. Um, that just authority in general is like hard for us and we struggle to trust it and we're we're sure that they're out to get us and that it's just all about their power and their self-serving. This is one of those places where we have to intentionally go against culture, intentionally go against the idea that no one can tell me what to do. Uh, We have to go against the idea that um, I'm in charge of my life and we have to trust God. We have to trust his authority. We have to trust that he actually knows what's best for me. And um, that means when we read the Bible, like the Bible is simply, the Bible's authoritative because God's authoritative. And so the Bible is... Uh, We'll talk more about this probably, but the Bible is one of the ways God's authority is mediated in our life. And so when we read the Bible, yes, we need to work hard to make sure we understand it clearly and accurately. And if we come to a point and realize, oh, we've misunderstood a part and it actually means this, then we go that direction, right? So we have to hold it loosely and humbly and graciously. But when we read the Bible, a lot of it is quite clear. And if God says, this is wrong, then we need to just accept, okay, this is wrong. If God says this is right, then we need to say, okay, God says this is right. This is what it means to trust God and trust his authority. We listen to what he says, and we put it into practice to the best of our ability in our life. And one of the things that we have to believe as we do that is that the instructions of God given to us through Scripture are not arbitrary, but they're actually rooted in the nature of reality, in the way God designed the world to operate and the way God designed us to operate. And so while they may at times feel like putting on clothes that don't fit, right? Well, they may at times feel like um, going against the grain of things. That's because the world currently is twisted up and upside down and it's messed up. But these instructions, God's commands and instructions to us are wise in the sense that they are rooted in the fabric of reality and thus they are not arbitrary. They they fit with the very design of the world and our very human design, our very human nature as well. So we trust him. All right, you know what's best because you created us. And not only that, I know your authority has my best interest at heart because you laid down your life for me. That's how you bought me. So you made me, you bought me, that's the depth of your love for me, and therefore I am going to trust you even when it doesn't make sense to me. I believe you're smarter than me and your authority is wiser than me, and thus I'm going to trust you. And that fundamentally is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And so that's really what's driving just some of these things I've been thinking about lately. And and that is kind of the, the start of it, the centerpiece, that God's the absolute boss. He's in charge. What gives God the right to be the absolute boss and in charge? Well, the fact that he made us and he laid down his life for us and uh, bought us and we are not our own. We belong to him. And thus, we need to listen to him. 
All right, we will flesh that out and develop that in uh, some other ways over the next handful of weeks on the podcast. But uh, I'm convinced this is really, really important for us as followers of Jesus. We have to resist our culture at this point and say, no, I'm no longer in charge of me. It's not my life. God's in charge, and we have to submit to him. All right, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Thanks for being a part of the Bible and Life family. The Bible and Life is a listener-supported, crowdfunded Bible teaching project made possible by the generosity of folks just like you. So thanks for that. Thanks a ton for your support and your generosity. And if you want to join the team of supporters, you can go to johnwhitaker.net, click the uh, give button, and you can set up a one-time or a recurring monthly donation right there. All right, God bless you guys. I look forward to talking with you again next week.